Hello, welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're so happy to be talking with each other and talking with you guys as well. We're going to talk about some witchy stuff and some yarny stuff. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with the Cupcake. Hooray! So we'll kick things off with a little bit of news. Uh, Emily, where can people find you in the what? real world? Uh, I'm going to do virtual world first because that's oh. chronologically how it goes. So on Wednesday, August 31st, I'm doing a virtual event with BizBaz Club for their Doki Day. And that will be on Pop Shop Live. And I have, I'm not 100% sure what time it will be at yet. Follow me on Instagram. Hit me up if you want to know what time it's at. Uh, but I'll be on there for probably like two hours. Uh, and I'm going to have some B-grade pins available, which will be the first time you can choose your designs for B-grade pins from me. And I also have free um, stickers from BizBaz Club to give out for people who place orders. So that should be fun. And then I will be in person at the Louisville Witches Ball which is happening on September 3rd. Um, and the event is from 6 p.m. until 1 a.m. So it's a night event. And there's a bunch of vendors. There's a bunch of entertainment. There's a big group ritual. It's a whole thing. Uh, tickets are currently available at officialwitchesball.com if you want to come visit me there. Good news too. I just realized if you're going to be participating in the Sierra Nevada Yarn Crawl, I will probably be in Nits and Not South Lake Tahoe on and off that whole weekend, which I believe is the 15th through the 18th of September. Nice. Sweet. Did you have any more news? No. Awesome. Well, since it's been a little while, a little over a week since we last recorded, I finished a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're wearing Did you finish thing? anything? I did, but I don't have it. Oh, why not? Because <laughs> I gave it to someone. <laughs> oh, to me? No, no, no. We made a friend on oh. vacation. Oh, right, right. I uh, knit a little like bag for them and it mm -hmm. was out of this crazy Zauber ball that I had brought mm -hmm. as uh, emergency sock knitting. And so mm -hmm. I just made a little like dice bag size pouch out of it. I still have plenty of this yarn to make socks for myself. But mm -hmm. yes, I don't have the pouch anymore. Nice. Mm -hmm. Quick presents are the best. Mm -hmm. I finished a ton of stuff, including this ripple halter that I'm wearing. Which looks very it, nice. It's really cute. I love it. I like the detailing on the side boob area. Mm -hmm. It's got all these fun lines to it. It hits right where the natural waist is. I like it a lot. Um, you'll see later how much I very much liked it. <laughs> uh, surprise, there might be more things that are very similar. <laughs> Uh, this is in Pachinku Fibers. This is in their Sporter Fingering Base, and it's a um, merino silk blend, and it's naturally dyed. I love it a lot. It's comfy and summery and great. I also finished a big thing that I, my most languishing whip, I finished my avatar cowl. Wow. It's huge. Look at this. So it it's is color work. Um, color work cowl and all of my avatar themed colorways and it's fun it wraps around the neck twice I think I'm going to make a little headband um, and then actually get to the work of making these charts something that I can sell but very, it's very super nice. cozy and I love it yeah I made it through all of the like color sections twice which actually worked out really well so that and I did a 180 degree twist in there so that when it's folded up it lays flat 
I think it's a really swell design. Very and nice. It's cool. I also finished a little bit of hand spun. <laughs> you were busy. I was so busy. I've been in a very like productive, creative energy phase. I guess I can kind of go into that because I immediately cast on the yarn I finished, if you don't mind. I don't mind. So I finished spinning up my Coruscant Rolags that I got from Rapunzel Fiber Arts. I did a three ply, nice, it's like a worsted or Aran weight. It looks it's nice. Really, it's so pretty. Yeah. So it's got lots of grays and purples and like saffron yellow, little bits of like silk noil in there. It's really fun. And I cast on Hat Dana. Yeah. yeah. So this is, um, yeah, the Hat Dana is a really popular pattern by Miron Hat Made. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going through this yarn really fast. I thought it was like, I mean, it's definitely more woolen than some things. I spun it woolen. It is woolen, but I'm going through it really fast. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely going to use, I'm pretty sure I'm going to use all of it up in this, which is fine. And it's going to be, I'm glad it's going to be like a really nice, cozy hat. This would be good if you had something that was like um, spin cycle-ish. Mm-hmm. be a really good project for that. I'm having a lot of fun knitting it. I like the little cable detailing down the center and the way it's shaping up. I think it's going to look really good against my dark hair. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really happy with this project. I might just probably try and crush it today. Cause I just, Oh, I learned so bad. <laughs> yeah. I've been working on some other things, but I can talk about them later. What have you been working on? I was on vacation, so mm-hmm. I worked on the sock, which the sock was only like here when mm-hmm. you had last saw it quite a while ago. So now I'm into the foot. Just past. Yeah, she was just past the cuff and now you have a whole heel and you're onto the foot. Yes. And this is the second sock. Um, mm-hmm. This is in a really old Regia colorway that I had kicking around and I'm using your, the uh, Artemis. Uh, mm. for the heel my artemis leftovers and that is what's going on with that vanilla sock nice. and then i also pulled out a languishing whip which is this ripple bralette that i have i cast on like a year ago i think so this is in old rusted chair uh yarn co and this is the rebel one of the rebel girl colorways which are she does like kind of one-offs for planned parenthood donations and it's black mostly with hot pink and blue and purple and white bits. It's uh, really cute. It looks yes. great. And I'm making a little ripple bralette. I have finished the first cup and am doing the first strap. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this has made quite a bit of progress. Uh, Are you doing I... straight straps or crossback straps? Crossback straps. I like the crossback straps better. As do I. And when... When this was languishing, when I found it, it was um, in the three by three ribbing. So mm-hmm. I had some stuff happen to it. It's, yeah, lots of progress. Is it for you or for a gift? This is for me. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to look really nice. Thanks. That's it. That's all I got. Mm. I cast on a new uh, portable teeny project. And I had a friend tell me that they were expecting. So I cast on 
just a wee baby hat, just a vanilla oh. baby hat. I'm using my magic mushroom charm that somebody really cool designed. Mm-hmm. But this is in my little leftovers of pitchfork fibers, um, boogie wonderland colorway that I use for some socks for Christian. So this has just been my portable post office and walking around, going out, knitting, not that I go out so much. So that's just a little, little baby hat, but I've been working on something else that I'm excited about. I just love the lines in this ripple halter so much. I know I pestered Emily with like, what yarn should I use? I cast on a modification to make this into a sweater. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty proud of myself. I think it's going to be good. I'm using this kind of one of a kind that I got as a gift from Electric Lev, who's one of my knit group friends. I did the collar a little longer because I want it to be a little little higher. Yeah, maybe I will eventually make a blog post about my modifications that still doesn't give away anything of the original pattern because mm-hmm. actually, yeah. So basically what I'm doing is like, it has like the lines that go across here. I'm essentially adding another one along the tops of the shoulders where stitches can grow off for the sleeves. And I'm going to do the same detailing through the bust and, and body. Yeah. So it's this really fun, like minty green, blue green with speckles from Electric Love. And I really like the one off. I have another skein of this because I need at least two skeins of fingering weight to make a full sweater. Uh, but the dye lots are like kind of different because they're just one of a kind treasures. And I think and it's a little bit lighter, but still like very cohesive. So I think I'm just kind of going to fade it through the body and see how that goes. I think it's going to be fun. Cool. Yeah. Wish me <laughs> luck on my my pattern modification. Your hackers. My pattern hacking. I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's going to look really cool with like an additional line down the top of the shoulder. For sure. And that's all I have been working on. Awesome. We talk about acquisitions, I guess. Did you acquire anything on your trip? I didn't bring it to show you, but I acquired some coffee, some mm. uh bought some coffee in the Dominican Republic that was grown and roasted there. So nice. Yeah. Fun. Cool. Both of the things I acquired this week came from you. Mm-hmm. I got two tops from you since we last recorded. I got this really cute. Oh, look at this. Look at this possum shirt that you got in Seattle from Nothing Obvious. It's just a sweet little possum design with little butterflies all around it, moths as it were, and it's black with a white design. It's really cozy too. I've been. It's a really soft shirt. Yeah, it is. It is. And then you also knit me a top. I did. It's so hard to to decide what to wear because I had two knit tops. (laughs) I got the Mount Pleasant from you. Yeah, it fits great. It's so soft, um, really easy to block. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yay. I love it. I'll wear it for podcast recording next week. I'm glad it fits. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Are we are we all already ready to a cold corner? I think so. Rad. So last time we recorded, we talked about Ouija boards and discovered there was so much we wanted to talk about Ouija boards. This is part two of our discussion of Ouija boards. I think we divided everything into a pre-exorcist and post-exorcist Ouija board discussion. We will be talking about pretty much from the 1970s onward now. Yeah. So we talked about it a bit last week, how the Ouija board was seen as kind of a quirky silly object not 
there were definitely like some, you know, religious extremist people who were like, that's wrong and bad, whatever. Mm-hmm. But spiritualism was so popular uh, that it wasn't like people who weren't spiritualists were like, oh, that's just like that weird spiritualism thing. Like it wasn't this you're summoning demons kind of a thing as much. It was well, with the spiritualism born out of like civil war, horrendous loss of life. It was mm-hmm. more about talking to spirits. Nobody thought they were summoning demons. They were just thinking they were talking to ghosts and those who have passed on. Yes. Until the exorcist where it is used for summoning a demon and that movie had such good effects and such a good story that like people were super scared of the exorcist in the 70s it makes sense if you watch the exorcist today it's still pretty scary so that movie being so popular and having the ouija board being used in that way actually kind of inserted it into the public consciousness as a tool for summoning demons or like where it it, there's like some danger like you could summon something that you don't like know what it is right and that's Mm -hmm. just like not how it was used prior to that that was not something that would have been in the collective public consciousness prior to the exorcist and then several other horror films have used it as a like a demonic summoning prop or something scary can happen when you use this thing kind of a deal uh Mm -hmm. so that has just like further cemented it and of course it's still being sold by hasbro it's still like this thing that you can buy at your local target or walmart right and Mm -hmm. but it's seen now as more spooky rather than silly by a lot of people because of these movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that really informed my perception of it growing up in the 1990s, like satanic panic. Uh, it definitely mm-hmm. like had that kind of a connotation going on. So it's like pretty interesting to me that there was stuff so mainstream as like a Norman Rockwell painting that featured mm-hmm. the Ouija board when it was seen as this like more occult scary thing when I was growing sure. up. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely grew up and you know, we're roughly the same age. Definitely. It was a spooky thing too. I did find like, like obviously there's dozens of horror movies that feature Ouija boards or even like the main focus is Ouija board stuff. And I saw like a more recent, like internet, like Reddit born urban legend of like a specific demon, but everybody it's definitely, it's created by a specific Redditor who like made try was trying to make books and movies off of it. It's definitely an internet thing and not a real thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely went down the internet rabbit hole of like the Ouija board Zozo demon, which is a Reddit hoax. Mm-hmm. I I have decided <laughs> <laughs> and I'm authoritative. Something interesting. This is very much something from the post exorcist world. Something that I found really interesting is that former prime minister of Italy, Romano Prodi in under oath, in 1978, so post-exorcist, claimed that he had used a Ouija board during a seance to find the location of a kidnapped politician. But yeah, so I just think it's wild that uh, someone in a deeply Catholic country would say that they did that. But uh, most people, if you dig into like what happened, this... It's using the Ouija board as a scapegoat. 
he was definitely using the Ouija board as a scapegoat. There was a politician who was kidnapped by political radicals. And this person who claimed to have used a Ouija board under oath uh, was probably was protecting an informant, most likely couldn't say where he got the information from. So he's like, oh, I used a Ouija board. Me and my friends at this University of Bologna, like did a seance to try and find this kidnapped politician. Mm-hmm. Sadly, they did not find him in time to save his life, but such such things happen in, I guess, late 70s Italy. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a pretty bananas thing. And also I found that a uh, in 1994, uh, a murder trial had to be scrapped and they had to do a retrial because the jurors admitted to drunkenly using a Ouija board and <laughs> trying to find the answer of whether or not the defendant was guilty by contacting the spirits of the deceased while drunk in their sequestered hotel. So when this came to light, this defendant got an entirely new trial as they should, they were found guilty. But I definitely think if your jurors are uh, getting drunk and trying to summon deceased murder victims, you deserve a retrial and (laughs) try it again with people who aren't going to be doing that being your jurors. (laughs) Yeah, those are some of the interesting real world things that I found. Are we ready to talk maybe about maybe the semi-scientific stuff behind yeah. Ouija boarding? Yeah, how it works. So, you know, the whole thing when you're using a Ouija board is like, who's moving it? How is it moving? Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess we didn't like fully explain this in the first episode, but how you use a Ouija board is you put the planchettes on the board and there's a hole in it and the hole is like, you know, the letter or number it's telling you and everyone puts their fingertips on the planchette and then it proceeds to scoot around the board somehow. Ooh, ghost mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm to be fair, it only takes one liar who says they're not moving it to make it move yep but uh, even if people are all authentically trying to see what happens with the best of intentions it can still move largely to what us modern scientists called call the idea motor phenomenon or idea motor response mm-hmm. which is just basically there are tiny movements and you can just go with the flow i don't know what else you had on that uh i had so it's like a similar reaction to like crying to a movie like mm. if you, it's an involuntary thing so like you can you could truly believe that you are not moving the planchette because of the idea meter effect because you aren't like your brain you're not using your brain to be like move this but right. it's such a light amount of force and movement needed to move the thing that mm-hmm. like like little tiny movements in your hands you could like not really be feeling them but your subconscious could kind of be scooting it around there and that's kind of like right. when you're watching a sad movie you don't mean to cry at the sad movie but like it just makes you cry like against your will mm-hmm. also too you're not uh as somebody who has played ouija board and not moved it around deliberately you're not thinking i want to move this to be yes because i want the answer to be yes mm-hmm. you're just like breathing in and out and tiny motions of your hand. You're like, Oh, I see the direction it's going. And then right. start moving. Mm-hmm. And also too, a lot of, I saw that the original design of this thing was to be balanced on the knees of the participants. So that adds a little bit more movement in there, a little more like 
variability and ways the plan check could honestly, just due to the shifting weight of the participants supporting the board, could make the plan check move around as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. very smooth on the board. Some of them, the older ones had like casters on them. So they were on like mm-hmm. little wheelies or ball bearings. And mm-hmm. uh, the current ones have like felt pads on like the mass produced ones. So they, they're they mm-hmm. very easy to move around the board. And that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also saw that a lot of, it's kind of linked to automatic writing, which a lot of uh, hoaxers have done. That one's a little more suspect in my opinion. I wrote down here, total BS, automatic writing. Because you can't come up with, automatic writing is more referring to people who think that they are prophets and have like written things in languages from other dimensions and things, but you can't invent a writing as a human. We are so, our brains really do want to understand writing as modern humans and you can't make something totally new. It's just going to be based off of things in your subconscious. And the phenomenon of automatic writing is is definitely a product of our post-Freudian world and your subconscious. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your subconscious is telling you all these things. Mm-hmm. But your subconscious is not a terrible thing to look into. And I think that's what a lot of the Ouija board stuff can get into. Because now we can talk about, uh, there's a study that was done someone recently in 2012 by the University of British Columbia. And I thought this one was super interesting. Like a lot of the things in modern witchy practice are just about like taking a peek into your subconscious, like tarot. And this is one of them. They had people, they're asking people questions. And if the participants, the yes or no questions. And if the participant said, oh, this is just a guess for me. And they were just guessing yes or no and responding verbally, as one would expect, their accuracy rate was 50-50, mm-hmm. like, like a yes or no answer would be. But if the participants were responding with a Ouija-style setup, basically with their only options being yes or no, and that's how they indicated their response, and it was something that the participants had freely admitted they were guessing on, maybe the act of using something akin to a Ouija board, like a planchette, to move the answer to yes or no, uh, their accuracy went up to 65%. So perhaps using something like a Ouija board could kind of dip into your subconscious and let you instinctually answer something with a higher degree of accuracy than if you were just like coin flipping, ah, yes or no, responding verbally, which I thought was very interesting. That is. Yeah, that's about all I had for like psychology adjacent things on the Ouija board. Awesome. I guess we we're going to talk a little bit about how it's used in modern practice. Yeah, it's I mean it's a divination tool in modern practice. Um it's a really good mm-hmm. group divination tool, right? Because you know, pendulum and like tarot you can't you can talk about the outcome together with your group, but like one person is really manipulating the stuff, but the Ouija board is really better if you have multiple people because if you're just doing it with one person it's a lot easier to like know whether or not you're moving it (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and just looking through like modern rules for this and like older practices it it does tend to use more people which I think is is good, but a lot of the structure of the ritual has been the same. Like I know last week we talked about the really similar automatic writing stuff from 
ancient China, which was neat. Multiple people are holding the planchette or planchette style thing. And one person is kind of like the leader and like there's other roles. There's like the participants touching the thing. There's the leader asking the question and then perhaps somebody recording lots of lots of roles for lots of different participants, which is good. Yeah. There are, I got kind of sucked into looking at all the superstitions regarding Ouija boards that there are so many and it's hard to tell which are from our modern consciousness as like post satanic panic horror movie viewers in the modern times there's there's all sorts of wacky rules there seem to be like good ones like I shouldn't put value judgments on but ones that seem to make sense that are just like come to it with an open mind um don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to things like is there a god when am I going to die where is buried treasure those are Mm -hmm. tend to be not good questions to ask and like the the assigning of roles and to be serious but there's some other like uh kind of wilder superstitions like if you burn it it will scream like where did people come up with this it's probably from a horror movie yeah (laughs) did you get into any of that stuff i didn't no oh my gosh so many superstitions they say like don't do it alone don't do it in your home don't do it in a graveyard which that that seems to be a pretty pretty solid advice there's definitely lots of rules and suggestions for like how to store the planchette you shouldn't store it on the board you should always be polite and always say goodbye which is just generally good rules for interacting with any entity be they visual and living or perhaps a spirit you are contacting yeah so things that I saw on the more like urban legendy stuff that are like bad signs that you've contacted a malevolent spirit or like counting down through the alphabet or through the letters is a bad sign. And also too, like, don't let the planchette leave the board or else like a spirit or entity entity could leave the board and get into your space, which is why they say you shouldn't do it in your house. Just like all these. All, yeah. Yeah, like if it get if the planchette gets off the board while you're practicing before you've said goodbye or manages to count all the way down through the letters or numbers, then like perhaps the spirit can leave. And another bit of advice that I saw, which was generally good because you don't know if one of your friends is also a liar who you're playing with, is to remember that entities and or other participants can be liars and just not to trust it. Mm-hmm. Like if you think you're channeling, the entity you're talking with is just like any of us. They could be lying for fun or your friend you're playing with could be lying for fun. Yeah. So I really got like hooked into all, like reading all those little things. Nice. And had a lot of fun with it. That's about all the information that I had, but it's this really a modern pop culture icon. That we for sure. Board. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, when you were playing around as a kid, move it to mess with your friends uh, on purpose? No, no. Neither did I. I definitely I think like not because I think that's like a bad thing to do or anything, but I just thought that I would be caught probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I was a little preteen playing with a Ouija board with my friends. I, I remember like deliberately moving it just to kind of like get the motion started, but I never deliberately chose like specific letters or specific destination for the thing. And I think a lot of it too is 
It's just like, it's just a peek into your subconscious, like kind of like autocorrect filling out the rest of a sentence. It's your brain trying to fill and make sense out of a message. Mm -hmm. Humans, we strive to see patterns that we recognize in everything. It's our For better or worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of skeptical in general about the whole idea of channeling. It's just, it's so, I don't know how to describe it. There's there's just such the clear opportunity there for somebody looking to play a prank on someone or take advantage of someone mm-hmm. who's clearly looking for s- some answers or comfort. It's, it's yeah something from that personally I find suspectful, and I hope that people are doing it out there out of honesty and not trying to trick people who are seeking comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ouija boards. If you trust your friend's honesty, seems like a good witchy activity. Yeah. Sweet. Well, this is a really fun conversation. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that's about it for us. Um, we can do a little bit of promo and then be on our way. We do have a collaborative advent calendar that you can buy. Will you tell us about it, Emily? Yeah, it's called the Trick or Treat Halloween Advent Calendar. And you get a charm bracelet. And you get 12 charms all leading up to Halloween. And on Halloween, you get a limited edition enamel pin. All of the charms in the pin are very like nostalgic, cute Halloween images. Uh, So I think it's a really festive, fun way to celebrate the upcoming Halloween. And there are some add-on items that you can get too if you'd like. There is a matching bag designed by me. That is like a perfect sock project size bag. And Lauren is dyeing up some sock sets that you can add on if you'd like. And those will be a mystery. Uh, And she's got a grungy main color and pops of neon mini skeins. So I think Mm -hmm. you'll like those. I think, yeah, I think everybody's going to like them. I like them. I think we're going to have a really fun time with this. Yes. And the pre-order is up on my website, kittywiththecupcake.com right now. And boxes are going to be shipping in September. So get on it. Fun. Well, I'm going to be having a shop update on September 4th, which is a Sunday, which will feature a bunch of vaguely spooky tolkien yarns, kind of two towers tolkien So spooky, spooky yarns. It's going to be fun. Nice. Did you have any other promo? Nope. Rad. Well, if you are looking for us around the internet, head on over to fibercoven.com where you can find links to everything. You can find links to show notes for what you just listened to. You can find links to our Patreon where we have a whole other podcast where we talk about wild things. And it'll also link you to our businesses. You can find my yarns and Emily's merch and designs as well. Hooray. So go to fibercoven.com if you need any more info. And until next week, Keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye.